Hi, I'm Jesse. In our series, Radical Family, we're working our way through this text of, of Colossians chapter 3. And uh, yesterday, we arrived kind of zooming in on, uh, on verses 6 and 7. And now we're going to uh, work our way into verse 8. So here's verse 6. Because of these, God's wrath is coming on the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them. All right? That's the old you. Now, think 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. You've been washed, sanctified, justified by the Spirit of our God. That's not you anymore. You're not defined by your past struggles with sexual morality. You're not defined by your lust. Think on that. That's a very big thing in our culture. We literally define ourselves. We've come up with a new category for people. You ever notice humans have this tendency to categorize each other? Why do we like drawing lines among one another? so much and why uh, why in the world would your lust be the thing that defines you as a type of person that's a lie from the devil you there's more to you than your sexual urges you know that you're more valuable than that right i mean wow god help us we're trying to now label children according to sexual proclivities that's pedophilia this is cultural depravity at its worst we don't we're not defined by our lust anymore that used to be us. If you're a Christian, now you've been washed, justified, and sanctified by the Spirit of our God. This echoes this text. You used to walk in that stuff, but now you put it away. Okay? You used to be in that. You used to be defined by that, but that's not your definition anymore. But now, verse 8, put away all the following. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. You're being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. So as we put away put away stuff, the very first one that's listed is anger in verse 8. But Jesse, sometimes anger can be a good thing. I mean, like Jesus was angry. The Greek word used to describe Jesus' anger is thumos, right? that it expressed itself physically. And that can be sometimes, you know, shamed, but actually other times, in other senses, it can be a very healthy outlet. You know, if you've got a punching bag, uh, that, that's a better way to blow off steam than saying something hurtful to somebody. But uh, not all anger is sinful, all right? There is righteous anger, and sometimes even the lack of anger could be a sin, right? To observe someone being taken advantage of and abused and to not be angry about it, right, would be a huge heart condition, for example. Uh, you're putting on this new self, putting away the old self. The anger that's described here is obviously a sinful kind of anger. There is a righteous anger. There's a righteous indignation. But this one flows directly into anger and malice. So you can get the picture about this kind of anger. If you've got a, if you've got a temper, if you blow your top, all right, dad especially, you're going to notice that that just affects the temperature of the home. All right, your kids will not feel at peace. All right, don't blow your lid. You're also going to notice, too, that if your anger manifests itself in malicious ways, like this is described anger, wrath, and malice, and slander. See, all those are put together systematically and deliberately. If you do this, you're, also, you're, going, to, you're going to break your wife's heart. And she's not going to be as open to being intimate with you. But watch what happens as you repent from that sin. You control that. Over the course of time, you, you put away the anger and the wrath 
and the malice and the slander, right? Malice. This is where you just have the desire to hurt someone. Like you want to take action, say words that, with the intent of inflicting harm. There's like an entire, uh, there's an entire like industry of this now on the internet. I mean, people can slander each other and write malicious things and, and you know, produce articles that are hurtful to people. Uh, there, there's like a whole industry to this now, even in the church world. Uh, but we're called to put it away. Put away the wrath. Okay, you leave it to God to repay. You put away the malice. Put away the slander. And there it is. And filthy language from your mouth. This is an interesting one, right? Theologically, how do we even define profanity? This is the one sin that Christians actually take their cues from the world on. Why is that? Because at one point, words that we now deem profane at one point had like a legitimate usage. There's like an etymology to profane words. And then there's some invisible threshold uh, that is crossed by a society whereupon everybody agrees that word is now, is now profane. It's a cuss word, it's a curse word, right? It's, it's pejorative, it's used to insult. Uh, and to say that word in that sense, not in accordance with its original usage, but to use it, uh, to, to use it now in, uh, in a profane way is to commit a sin. So we as a church, now we have to watch these words as they change in definition over time because we are called to eliminate filthy language from our mouth. We also see the same call in Ephesians chapter five, verses three and four, but among you there must not be even a hint of sexual morality or any kind of greed or impurity for these are improper for God's holy people, nor should there be any uh, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. So uh, we have to watch, we have to watch uh, what words are colloquially considered to be profane. It's the only sin like it. It's the only sin where uh, it's, it's a little bit out of our control as to where those uh, boundary lines are drawn. Uh, and that's also, that brings up a whole other discussion for another day about uh, trying to wage cultural wars by trying to form new uh, profane, uh, profane definitions for words, meaning like uh, to, it, it, sometimes it's also an, an attempt to manipulate culture, to take a word that is not profane and pretend like it is and try to control the way that people talk to each other. Compelled speech is not free speech. There's a whole other, uh, a whole other track we can go down here. Um, but filthy language from your lips is one that we have to take our cues from culture and these are obvious and we know them. Uh, one way in which I don't believe the church should comply with this is the, the, the practice of what's called dead naming. All right, this is when someone has undergone a gender transition or no longer identifies as their birth, uh, gender of birth, and then you call them by the name that they were given at birth. Um, ironically, it's called dead naming. They're quite alive, they're right there, but this is considered a pejorative, and I don't think that that's actually a hateful act. It is not profane. It is not profane. So that's a that's a that's an example of, of one way in which the church, while we do not want to have filthy language on our lips, we know what language is truly filthy and what is not. But also uh, observe the culture wars are sometimes fought in the dictionary and trying to uh, trying to create words with a pejorative connotation, with a profane connotation, can be an attempt to try to shift culture. Like there's clearly an agenda behind this this concept of dead. Um, the way that we 
address this here at the Redemption Church. You know, uh, like what I've told the students is that if you show up one day and you try to identify by another name, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna dead name you to the glory of God because I know your true name. I know your real name. I know that's not really. But if I, uh, Jesse, what if what if a transgender student comes to a student ministry event um, and you know. Uh, the dude introducing himself with a feminine name says, Hey, I'm Melissa. And you're like, yeah, pretty sure that's not always been your name. You don't have any other name to call him. So we call him Melissa. So he gives his life to Christ and have a renaming ceremony. It'd actually be kind of beautiful. So we're putting, uh, we're putting away the old self, the anger, rage, malice, filthy language from your lips. Uh, do not lie to one another since you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self. We'll talk more about this tomorrow, but you'll notice that the way we speak is at the epicenter of a lot of these, all right? We're putting away our malice and our anger and our filthy language, and then it goes straight from profanity directly into, into straight up lying, right? So tomorrow we'll talk more specifically about how in the context of the family, we abide by this text.